Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell the Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer. And since it is August in Central California and it's only 74 degrees outside, my windows are open, so today may be noisier than usual. But all this shit in the air from the fires is at least dropping our temperature by 25 degrees, and I'm taking advantage. And joining us now, a man whose state is hopefully not on fire, the only Triple Crown champion winner of SMW, Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, and the Kingslayer, Double B Bobby Blaze. That's right. And just like Arn used to tell me, Professor, we're just two gentlemen discussing business, man. It's good to be back. And like I said, it's good to be king for just a day. You put that Kingslayer out there. I really dig it, man. And um, today I think we'll have really fun, fun fun episode lined up um once again here on the belt to belt bobby blaze podcast want to just say real quickly thanks for all the love and support shown uh for all the fans that downloaded our um R.I.P. Top 10 to Bobby Eaton. That went over really good. I thought we'd done it really classy. I watched uh, Arns. I watched, uh, listened to, uh, oh, to, uh, Tony on um, with um, Conrad. Oh, yeah. A lot of ours, it was really, a lot of them were done really, really classy, even though we said no one's going to do as good as we did. Everyone that I saw do uh, some kind of a tribute to Bobby, of course, was very, very classy. Yeah. And for that, um, that just shows, again, uh, what kind of person Bobby was. And um, uh, we really appreciate the uh, fans' participation in that. The, um, the only question we didn't get, we're going to get to today. Uh, I didn't get a lot of feedback. I'm not sure if you did. What what would have happened? I know you got a. You're going to bring us up in a second, but what was the? Um, you know, if if the horseman, um, we talked about that. If the horseman and Cornette would have the Midnight Express would have got together, and we may talk about that just really briefly. But I know we got some more important stuff to talk about than than some that took place last week on our podcast. Yeah. So uh, open us up, there, man. We're doing some gimmicks today. Yes, we are. So today we are going to focus on 10 gimmicks that were based on pop culture. The majority of these are, are movie-based characters, but there's like one or two comic books and a couple other things. So we're going to dig into that. But there are two pieces of news I wanted to open with, Bobby, if you don't mind. Don't mind at all. All right. First off, uh, Billy Corgan has acquired uh, uh, the actual Burke Heavyweight Championship belt. Mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing because this uh, Empower show is really looking... They're pulling out all the stops, and it looks like every woman who can fit in there from any part of wrestling is going to be part of this thing. Yeah, it looks good, man. Looks yeah. good. Who, who was the tag team? One of the tag teams you were talking about uh, earlier. Uh, Miranda Gordy has a has a team. It's it's a six-woman six tag team, I guess is what you'd call it. Uh, yeah. But, but they're going under the name The Free Babes, The Fabulous Free Babes. Right on, man. Good yeah. deal. Good deal. And I saw where Debbie Drake... Um, Professionally known as Debbie Malenko uh, is coming uh, out for this show as well. I'm really wishing her well. She had a very successful career in Japan in the 90s, mm-hmm. and uh, she's had a couple of matches um, here recently, and she's actually had an MMA fight too, I think, and uh, it's good to see uh, Debbie Malenko get uh, back into the mix of uh, professional wrestling. It's a good time for her to do so. Um, so I wish her well because I know her personally and remember how hard she used to train and, and remember when she first got her deal in Japan. 
So that's cool. And uh, I'm digging what they're doing, man, because uh, I know a couple girls that are training right now. And I've seen a couple young girls in these shows that I've, you know, fortunately got to go to here recently. And, and um, I like to see I like to see women just keep on. Man, they've main evented uh, mania, you know, so yeah. I want to see them. Uh, good things happening, you know, and I know you're talking NWA here, but you know, this empowerment should be I think it should be good. I think it's good for business. Well, so. I mean, this this is kind of building off that thing that we've noticed too, because like um, you know, Christian Cage just won the TNA slash impact title. He's not under contract to impact. So uh, there's this this mixture of uh, you know, I'm gonna use like an MCU term here, but basically it's it's a wider wrestling universe that it doesn't matter if you work for the NWA, Impact, AEW, New Japan. They're all working together and promoting together and using each other's talent. And, um, you know, I, I have to think eventually it's going to begin to include smaller promotions as well. And I think it's a really exciting time to be watching because, you know, this Empower, they're drawing people from everywhere. Yeah. And I will say this. If you'll go back, and I couldn't tell you when it was, but the professor himself... He he mentioned on this program a couple times there. I'm not saying it's getting back to the territory days the way you're talking about that, but it's like you said, it's opening up and he's these companies are working together. And if they go to some of these smaller markets and they, they work the bigger markets for the TVs, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm starting to see uh, at one point we jokingly said that, you know, pro, someone said pro wrestling's dead. I asked Corny about it, and we was joking and said, if not, it's on life support. But here, last little bit, Jeremy, since, uh, you know, we're kind of fighting through this COVID thing still, but I tell you from what I'm seeing, it's coming off life support, and it's coming back It's coming back strong, Yeah, it, I think. It, it looks uh, like it's a it's great f- time to be involved in professional wrestling. Yeah, well, this is probably the best time in 22 years. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you just have so many, you know, so many options, you know, just – I mean, even Dave Marquez, look at how many wrestling company he, he's got up and running now. You know, that doesn't yeah. mention places like um, uh, GCWs and all these other promotions that are, you know, they're small, but people are watching them all across the country, you know. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. The fans, I think COVID, if nothing else, maybe got a couple people say, hey, man, I'm going to get off my couch and get out and watch a show the first chance I can because I've really missed it, you know, and and um, maybe even drive a couple hours to see a live show, you know, because yeah. they missed it so much. It's kind of one of those things, you know, um, you don't really know how much you love something or care for something until it's gone. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, wow, now I'm sitting here watching it. Uh, maybe you and I, we tried. We didn't succeed very well of watching it without the fans there. But most of the fans, they weren't our typical fans. We're saying our base probably was like, eh, and I'll do about it. But um, a lot of other fans were like, hey, first chance I get to go back to a show, I'm going. And the fans seem to be, uh, the professional wrestling seems to be delivering for the fans once again. Yeah. So. Well, you know, like like you were saying there, a lot of our audience, <clears throat> we're, we're just as happy to go, hey, look, it's Bachwinkle versus Race in 84. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll go watch that match. Um, Okay, Bobby, I'm going to, this is going to kind of segue a little bit, but it's going to build on what we've been talking about. Sure. I'm going to read you a quote, and you're Mm going to try to guess who said it about what, okay? Okay. All right. It wasn't the way I would have done it. It was a lot better. It was perfect. Uh, I would say Skip from the Lords of Dogtown about skateboarding or something, probably. (laughs) Um, Well, no. 
I know something that happened, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to play dumb to it. I, I would imagine it had something to do uh, with story time and someone getting a huge pop because my friend Dave Black told me to go and listen to this pop, and someone was coming out, and then uh, uh, my other friend, Judy Ray Hendricks, she said, uh, you know, um, when this person sits down and says Chris and goes crisscross applesauce, it's story time. So uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say this. I'm going to take a big guess that you're probably talking about CM Punk's return to professional wrestling at AEW after seven years. Now, who can you contribute the quote to, Jeremy? Uh, the quote was from the one and only Jim Cornette. Oh, wow, man. Say it again. What was it? It was perfect. What was it? It wasn't the way I would have done it. It was a lot better. It was perfect. There you go, man. Yeah. And see, he doesn't necessarily shield on everything that happens, folks. Nope. <laughs> you sometimes know, he gets uh, caught sometimes. off guard and, and yeah. you know, he's more than happy to praise it. Uh, and so I, I went back and watched the pop, just so you know. Yeah. So just to um, kind of point out some things that we've said before on this show, when mm-hmm. CM Punk was talking, he says he left pro wrestling when he left ROH. And yes. now he's joining pro wrestling again. Again, singling out the fact that the WWE isn't really pro wrestling and hasn't been for a very long time. Right. I caught that and I like that. Now, here's the thing. I hope he and I hope AEW and the program they run with him holds up to that and does exactly that. Let's see some professional wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's, and, and actually, and I, I, I uh, smart me up again, the, the, the opening line he used, because I knew it had a reference to something because I had listened to that earlier. What was it? He said that to open up, they oh, got to pop one. You, you, you guys sure know how to make a boy feel like Britt Baker in Pittsburgh. Or, yeah. or something to that effect. Yeah. yeah. So he's, and he's, of course, in his hometown, Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so the, and she's from uh, Britt Baker being from Pittsburgh and got that huge pop. That's the whole, the, people are starting to get over again. Yep. The fans are coming back and are people that are supposed to get over are starting to get over, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a good thing, man. Well, you know, a couple, weeks, a couple weeks back or a couple months back, I don't remember what it was, but it was the first AEW pay-per-view with, um, with an audience again, right? Mm-hmm. And it was suggested somebody ripped it and put it up on YouTube and it was suggested on my feed to go watch it. So I put it on. Okay. And it was chopped up a little bit and I'm sure just to get around the sensors and, you know, the robots and stuff. But there was a thing when Eddie Kingston and John Moxley were coming to the ring and there was a live audience and the song wild thing kicked in. And I had forgotten okay. what it was like to hear a, a real song play when people come to the ring to an ovation from the audience, you know, right on, you know, back in the day, you know, the Von Eric's coming out to stranglehold or the Freebirds yeah. coming out to Freebird, you know, actual songs that, you know, you would listen yeah. to that you play, um, you know, all the people that use perfect strangers by uh, deep purple in uh, ECW and all over the place, you know, yeah, Just that audience reaction, actual music and, and I'm not even like I'm not like an AEW hater, but I'm not I'm not a regular no. viewer either, you know. But it was just something about the two of them. Come, I do like Eddie Kingston quite a bit. I do think he's a yeah yeah yeah. I thought he was good on NWA. Yeah, and, and uh, one of them guys that paid his dues. You know, yeah. what I'm saying he'd been around a while. Oh, that's, he's been that's around something a while. I admire too. Yeah. yeah, he's been around a while. I found out he came from Shikara at one point, which blew me away because he seemed so 
so much more real than like a Shakara wrestler, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't know that, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah, when they hit and they came out and it was just something, the the audience sound, the actual like an actual song playing. I was like, yeah. this is what pro wrestling's been kind of missing, you know. I mean, yeah. obviously during the during the COVID period, but also just for the last thirty years when everybody was scared to death to pay trademark rights for music, you know. Yeah. You know, I've done an interview with uh, James from uh, Wrestling Shoot Interview from over in England. And um, the first hour of that is now up on YouTube. It's just uh, WSI uh, Wrestling Shoot Interviews. Um, they chopped it up. He chops them up at first and puts little segments on there. And the reason I brought that up, he asked me about uh, the music in Smoky Mountain, you know, why I chose I Won't Back Down and this and that, which, which was the biggest, you know, who got the biggest pop. And of course, I could. If I heard Dirty White Boy, I'd say, fuck, here comes Dirty White Boy to the ring. Or, of course, um, Old Time Rock and Roll, that was the most over because rock and roll was, you know, they were to, they were over big time. Yeah. But um, he only asked me specifically about, you know, Smoky Mountain on that particular thing. But I wanted to, I'm going to say it now because I wanted to, I was biting my tongue to say it on there because we was keeping it strictly for Smoky Mountain. But what, the biggest, when I when I thought, when when I, when I said, when Dave Black said, hey, Bobby, you know, have, have you seen CM? Punk's uh, entrance to AW and, and here to pop, and um, I was like, "Well, I'll get you know, I'll get to it, I'm sure." And I wrote him, you know, eventually did. The only thing I could think of um, that I wanted to say on the other interview, that of course, again, it was we kept it to Smoky Mountain for that pop only. Um, but uh, when you hear Iron Man, you know someone's yeah. getting her ass kicked because here yeah. comes the Road Warriors, and that's going to tie into our topic today. But that's what my mind goes back to that Road Warrior pop. Now, I don't know if Punk got the Road Warrior pop, but it was a pretty damn loud pop. And, um, you know, I, I remember um, there's been a few through the years, but that's, but like you said, that's what's been missing is just uh, when you heard a song, a real song, you know, um, not something that's created to kind of emulate another song, blah, 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 you know, and got the real fan interaction in there and they're sincere fans, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, obviously AEW, they wouldn't have been there, but also wrestling fans, you know, so yeah. that I just hope they run with this man. I really do. Yeah. Um, I think they got through what one note of uh cult of personality before the fucking audience just exploded. It's like mm. all of Chicago could name that tune in one note. Yeah, you go and name that tune. Well, I can name that tune to five. Well, go ahead. You know, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, so Cornette's quote, that's pretty damn good, man. What's next? Uh, One thing we wanted to address real quick, we're not going to spend a lot of time on these, but we got a couple things we want to go back and talk about. Um, Apparently, the angle for the Midnights joining the Horsemen was going to be Woman was going to seduce Corny, and he was going to lose the Midnights to the Horsemen through that. Yeah, um, I I didn't know that, um, and if I did, I for whatever reason I'd forgotten. Um, I think I sent that to you. Um, it was Kevin Kevin Barrett. He sends us stuff mm-hmm. from time to time, and he's the one that sent it to me. And he said he got it off the Jim Cornette podcast. Yeah. So. Um, he, and he said it was before Barry and Sid came on board. So I uh, just want to let you know about yeah, that. I, think, I, I, think, I thought it was pretty interesting, man. I think Robert Silva might have tagged us both in something and what, as well. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, but cool. Yeah, I got it from a couple different places. But yeah, yeah. The, the idea was going to be that uh, Corny was going to, and I'm using that just because we both know who we're talking about, but Jim Corny. Right, right, right. 
Jim Cornette was going to transition to an on-screen, like, um, you know, color commentary role. Yes, and, yes. And I do recall him talking about that a lot. They wanted him to go to color commentary more. Yeah, so. which he, look, he was great at, you know. And Oh, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, just one stupid slip-up, I'm sure he'd still be doing it on NWA now, you know. Um, okay, so from there, I got to go and say that a fellow named Tony Botts has uh, hit me up on Facebook a couple times. One, to correct me on a David Allen Coe comment. Um, apparently, and I think you've told me this too, that you heard he actually did time. The last yeah, time what I, I know, he did some time. I don't, you know, just yeah. saying myth yeah. or legend or whatever, whatever sells albums, you know, I don't exactly, know. Exactly. Yeah. So I haven't really looked into him since the nineties, but I do know that a lot of his, his, stuff is is bullshit and i don't know specifically which parts i just in my head i assume his entire quote-unquote biography is horseshit anymore and i don't <laughs> i'm not gonna I, you know i'm not gonna look i like a couple of songs he wrote you know hell i like yeah. a couple of songs he performed but he's like the rick ross of country music you know he's i just, got you yeah he's just a I've, I've seen him in concert i was a fan and yeah. then like i said i got to see him in concert uh but um I just go, I'm the same as you, you know, like, well, it's a bio. So, mm-hmm. what, you know, if he puts it in there, he puts it in there. It sells a few records for him. It sells a few records. From what I read, he did. But um, that's a good comparison there to the Rick Ross gimmick. Still on the original Rick Ross, you know, under the yeah. freeway. The freeway Ricky Ross, you know. Exactly. <laughs> kind yeah. of a pretty damn good comparison. I'm <laughs> getting coughed up about yeah. that, actually. Um, so, the other thing anyway. That, yeah, the other thing that Tony pointed out was apparently Jarrett Parsons is already selling a Daddy Said Sell t-shirt. So, he's like, hey, you mm-hmm. know, sorry guys, but this. But, I, I got to point out a little something here. That means they have a copyright to their design. It does not mean they have yeah. a trademark to that saying. So, Bobby, I'm going to introduce our new Daddy Said Sell t-shirt available at bellthebellblaze.com slash daddy said. That's right. If Daddy said it, you better do it, baby. Run over and get one of those heavy hitters, man. That's it. I'm already getting me a pin me, pay me one. I know my man Casey King got him one. Um, I've got a Blaze uh, Slayer shirt, King Slayer shirt on the way. Um, I wore my Bobby Eaton shirt, beautiful Bobby Eaton shirt yesterday for the first time and uh, got got a couple recognitions of that of someone. Oh, man, you know, and I was not around wrestling. I was around baseball yesterday, believe it or not. I went to a, um, a little Hall of Fame ceremony that I had here in my hometown for some guys that um, were closer to my age that um, – played back in the day and they inducted them to this uh, CP one. And I got some real compliments on my shirt, man, from people that obviously know who I am and know who Bobby Eaton was. So, uh, yeah, get your, go to the bell to bell slash daddy said, and get one of those daddy said, sell t-shirts. You know, that's right. We've got a few designs coming up here. Um, yeah. you know, but yeah, we're coming out through different sources, but we got some stuff coming up. So check it out. Yeah, for sure, um, man. All right. So what do you say we quit screwing around and get down to the brass tacks here? Yeah, so we're going to do a top 10 pop culture-based wrestling gimmicks. Uh, like Jeremy said, a lot of these came from movies, um, some some t- television shows. Also, we kind of uh, – there's a couple of them that came from different movies, uh, and we kind of just limited it to, to one gimmick per per movie per se. Um so anyway, we've got some good ones, I think. Yeah. Uh, and you're talking to a guy that I wrestled a guy six foot. So I say guy, hold on a second. I wrestled a, 
a thing, six foot six, 350 pounds, and 3,000 years old, apparently, and it was a mummy. So before we go anywhere else, let's establish that, that I wrestled a fucking mummy. Uh, man, you know, he had all this gimmick on, and um, so I wrestled him plenty of times at house shows, so Smoky Mountain Wrestling did have a mummy. Uh, we also had a Ninja Turtle in there, um, oh, yeah. but it was done properly in a way that this is what certain people wanted, and, um, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, and, um, you know, it was... Uh, it was an easy match, but um, when he turned that gimmick around and he hit me over the top of the head or something in an arm, it was loaded, Jeremy, and I don't think it was a 3,000-year-old arm that hit me. I think it was a, a, some big young guy uh, dressed up in a gimmick, you know, and, um, you know, I just was selling. Wrapped under all those bandages, <laughs> who can say for sure? Right. You know, that could have been yeah. a whole that, – that, that guy may not have been a mummy at all. He may not even have been Egyptian, Bobby. <laughs> Matter of fact, if I remember right, he had a Greek name. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, gimmicks. And with that said, we kind of, uh, Memphis, you put that out there. They do all kinds of monsters, monsters and creatures there. They had a mummy at some point. I know the one I remember was uh, when Lawler uh, knocked on a box and they was asking what was in there. And it was Frankie. Of course, mm-hmm. it was a Frankenstein-type gimmick, you know. Um, I know you had a um, – so they done some Universal Monsters and Vampires. Uh, but um, also they had um, the Kisser. And yes. I know you wanted to speak about that for a second. So, Well, it's like twice now that we know of. There have been definite attempts to get like a Kiss character yeah. in wrestling. Uh, one yeah. was Wayne Ferris with the Kisser. Uh, Wayne Ferris, Ferris, of course, is the honky-tonk man. He's been through yeah. numerous gimmicks, uh, the most popular one being that Rockabilly Elvis one. Um, but there was also uh, two different two different people had the gimmick in WCW, but there was the Kiss Demon. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the first guy that had it kind of backed out, and I think Dale Torborg was the second guy to get yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but man, I mean, WCW again, how they, how they fucking stayed in business doing shit well, like this. Well, uh, to quote my main man, Double A there, I'll just say this. Uh, I think they paid Kiss like $750,000 to perform that night. I think it was at the MGM to debate, debut that yeah. demon character and that, that whole episode, that, that, that segment, you know, uh, um, I'll just say this. There went about 10 jobs. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's sad. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, guys hanging on at the bottom of the contracts, you know, you're talking some guys that were maybe making, you know, say seventy five to 100000 maybe 125000 a year. Um, what well, they just spent seven hundred and fifty, so there went a shitload of uh, guess who's not going to be at the next TV tapings kind of yep. deal, you know. Yep. Um, that's how they got by and spied on themselves sometimes, Jeremy. You just, you know, fortunately I stayed around a little bit longer at that point, but uh, but um, yeah, it it wasn't going unnoticed by by a lot of people that they were spending a shitload of money at wasn't theirs. But uh, anyway, yeah. back to business. Well, we wanted so to get that out of there. You know, I, I remember you t- saying one time, Arn came up to you and he's like, hey, Bobby, pull your pull your trunks up. Don't don't get a gut. Don't give them any reason <laughs> yeah. to fire you. Yeah. And now for some reason in my head, I still see Paul Orndorff like chasing you around like, put down the chili cheese dog, Bobby. Don't eat that. <laughs> don't, yeah. No, we casually was in catering, man. And, and I was getting some tea and Arn was getting some coffee and he just walked up and uh, he said, hey, Bobby. Um, and people, some people, I guess, had said no to a couple, you know, uh, 
putting other people on TV, knowing that's your job, you know, or whatever. And he just basically said, hey, you know, Bobby, don't give him a reason to don't don't give him a reason to let you go. Because he knew they was letting people go. Yeah. And and I thought that was uh, very personable and professional. And I respected it. And I was like, yep, you know, um, I appreciate that. I said, yes, sir. I just kept pouring my tea. I kept looking straight ahead like we wasn't even talking. I said, yes, sir. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And went about my own business, you know. Yep. But, um, little, yeah. Um, little spycraft trade there, you know. <laughs> yeah. <little> tap on <laughs> the nose. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, and it's it's, for, it's it's also called being a professional. Like when I did speak with Paul, even one on one about some uh, stuff I was doing with Vampiro and and a possible pay per view and things is one of those things. It's like um, it's just two gentlemen discussing business, you know, and um, that's the way it was. And I respected that, and I think they respected that in me as well, or they would have taken the time out of their day to uh, to mention those things to yeah. me, you know. So anyway. Uh, you want to start this top 10? Yeah, I'm going to start with number 10 is Jason the Terrible. And this was one of Bruce Hart's creations up at Stampede Wrestling. He okay. uh, he basically just whole cloth stole Jason from Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know that um, I think it was FMW over Japan. They had a Jason. They had a Leatherface, and they had several uh, gimmicks over there as well. Oh yeah. Um, I think the original one that went over may have went over from um, uh, Stampede, you know, over to to Japan uh, for one of the companies. I'm not sure if it was FMW at that particular time, but eventually they did. Uh, again, ripping off some of those gore type movies or what have you. So uh, we're going to put that as coming in number ten. Jason the Terrible. Jason uh, the a Terrible. direct. Direct, direct ripoff from the they, Friday the they, 13th Yeah, they shows. left they left the serial numbers in place on that one. They didn't <laughs> change a thing. Um, Bobby, what I saw about it was the I oh I wrote the guy's name down on my notes, but I didn't put it in our show notes. But the guy who was playing the character originally got injured, and so somebody else took it up. Mm-hmm. But he took it back to Puerto Rico, and then Japan, and then other people okay. have used it since. So there, yeah, there is a. I, I knew that now. it ended up in Japan. I forgot. As a matter of fact, I tell you what, I do know. I just remember this. Um, I forgot the guy went to Puerto Rico. Eddie Watts worked in Calgary and uh, Puerto Rico and Japan, and that's that's the other reason. Um, I'm I'm uh, drawing a blank on a name myself, um, but. Um, I knew it. I knew it ended up in uh, Japan. Yeah. So that's how it got around. So there is one original gimmick of Jason yes. that has made the rounds, and that was that one. Um, now, yeah. what's interesting there is the reason I came. I put that one on the list is I was actually researching or trying to do a little research. Carl Moffat. Carl Moffat. That was the original one. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I knew it's uh, Calgary based. Um, that's who it was. Carl. Yeah, uh, I, that's... with the K, because Eddie Watts knew him and had been to Puerto Rico and Japan with him, and that I was just I was drawing a blank, um, but that's who it was. He was the original one, uh, Jason the Terrible. Yeah, so, so I came I came across that because I knew there was a Jason out there. I wasn't sure what his background was. Yeah, but I was thinking somebody else was based on Jason. And it turned out I was wrong. He was based on another guy who was kind of in an arms race with Jason, you know, because he had the Halloween series and Friday the 13th were both trying to outdo each other with very similar, implacable, undefeatable mass characters. But number nine, 
Kane <laughs> was originally their version of the Michael Myers, the shape, the boogeyman from Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you go back and you watch, I even went and pulled some early YouTube clips. You watch his mannerisms. He's moving his head the way Michael kind of moved his head in the early Halloween films. You can definitely see it, if not for the bright colors, though. Yeah. And I'll say this, man, that cane, he has ridden that gimmick, man. I mean, it mm-hmm. came out, it was pure fire, and it got over. Uh, the whole storyline got over. I know it got goofy at some point, but um, let's ignite that out of it. In the beginning, mm-hmm. it was really hot. The storyline was really, really hot. And, um, you know, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, a more deserving guy, hardworking. Uh, didn't have to speak as Kane. But obviously he could work and he had that body and Glenn Jacobs was, you know, uh, perfect for that character, man. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, uh, just the all around good dude, you know, and um, one of the last house shows I went to, actually, I spoke to him in the back and that's been, oh, I guess going on five years now. I don't know, four or five, but yeah, what a great guy. But man, he, uh, that character's over and that whole storyline uh, about being the brother and, um, trying to burn them and kill them and just that whole under, you know, whole undertaker, what an opponent for that too, you know? Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah. Well, and see, yeah, I guess absolutely. that, I guess that was the genesis of the character was that, you know, by this point, Michael had become this in the movies, he was like some druid cursed family annihilator. And that was the idea with Kane was that he was the murderous brother coming after his yeah. family member, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that's what that is. Yeah, you definitely you watch those early early movements and the head movements and things. He's very much like it. But I was thinking he was Jason based. So yeah, there we go. Okay. Um, let's go on to number eight. Yeah, this one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, when I'm gonna mention Casey again because I, he got me. I asked him the question at the gym the other day, just kind of get my mind you know, towards the weekend, like with our list and I, and, and, and Casey, he mentioned this one here and I was, I kind of forgotten. Um, my mind was going like cartoonish characters type stuff. But when he mentioned Razor Ramon from Scarface, I popped, I was like, yeah, that's, that's the one I'm going to go with, man. That, because I've heard tell, and I think it's on YouTube on a Scott Hall interview that Vince was like, he was coming in from Puerto Rico, I guess. And Vince met him in Miami and they come through the airport. Like, uh, and he was in character and, and I'm not sure if he's come from Miami or he was working a show in Miami, but either way, I guess Scott Hall and Vince was coming, were coming through the airport and like, no one's giving, giving him a second look because he just had that look and it's like, <laughs> it was just like he blended in with that look at that time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool, man. That, uh, uh, and that Razor Ramon character and that Tony Montana, you know, I mean that I, I I watch that Scarface probably once maybe twice a year sometime. I love that movie uh, for whatever reason. Um, I don't have the I'm not a gangster. Don't have the poster in my home, uh, you know nothing like that. But still, man, um, Razor was over. Yeah, and then that whole toothpick gimmick, and he was so big and strong anyway. You know, it was uh, uh, just so over, man, um, at the time. So, yeah, uh, of course, to my to my one, two, three kid got him. But uh, nonetheless, just saying Razor Ramon, Scarface, right. number oh. uh, eight, right? Yeah. No, uh, no seven. Yeah. Your buddy. Uh, eight, eight. Yeah. Your buddy X-Pac is actually going to be at the Stockton Comic Con this year. 
Okay. Yeah, I just saw okay. that go up on an ad yesterday. I don't know if I'm going this year, but if I do and I take the time to go through his line, I'll tell him you said hello. You better. He yeah. put me over. He'll put me over. Oh, I'm sure he, he will. Tell yeah. who you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Razor Ramon. Okay, so here's a funny thing. I was actually a fan of Scott Hall and Kurt Henning when they were a tag team, right? Yeah, and yeah, I, thought, I got you. Yeah, I thought Scott Hall was going to be this breakaway star, and I had him in the mold of a Magnum or a Hulk Hogan or something, you know? Right. You told me that, yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize ra- – now, I wasn't watching wrestling real regularly up until the WCW jump, So, but I didn't realize that Razor Ramon, who I'd seen but I hadn't paid a lot of attention, I didn't realize that that was Scott Hall. Oh, Okay. Um, he didn't okay. look didn't look the same to me in any way. And then when they jumped and they put, gave him his real name back, I was like, oh, shit, son of a bitch. That is him. Yeah. Well, I was in Canada and um, I know Eddie and um, I mentioned him, like I said, and Ron Starr. They were talking about being in Puerto Rico with, with Scott Hall. And I had I was a fan, like you said, I, I saw him in the old AWA with Henning and he gave off that Magnum TA type vibe. Yeah. And I knew he had to be big. I knew he had to be taller because we're hitting. I knew how about how tall he was. And I was like, this guy's got a look to him. And I kind of liked him, you know, um, just as a fan. But then I heard Eddie and Ron, uh, we, you know, traveling together, the heels travel together back and forth. When he got that razor gimmick, they was talking about, they was really happy for him. You know, they, they put him over. He got off that shitty Island and was getting, to push, you know, yeah. and uh, was getting this big deal in New York, you know, and um, that that's probably one of the few reasons, honestly, that I knew who it was uh, early on, because um, I we were working so much at that time, I really wasn't watch watching, but I knew who it was when. By the time it came, you know, up for Sean to go against him, you know, I was I was obviously watching. I was told two weeks in advance, watch the next two Raws. Um, Phyllis Lee told me that um, Sean had let her know she was uh, one of Malenko's, uh, she was a helper. To help. She helped out a lot behind the scenes stuff down at the school, and we were still in contact that time. And uh, she said, uh, uh, Sean sent word to watch the next two Raws if you can. And I, I watched them, you know, I knew what happened at that point. Uh, but anyway... Scott Hall or Razor Ramon, Scarface, um, as you put here, all the Cuban hysterical types you've never asked for. <laughs> yeah. So, man. oh, yep. and by the way, Scarface in that movie, just a little trivia here. Yes. Do you know every time he looks up and he's looking at a woman? Do you know who he's looking at in that movie? No. Okay. A lot of people think he's looking at Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's the girlfriend of the boss that he eventually takes over, eliminates whatever. Yeah. And that's who he ends up marrying and all that. Every time, though, if you watch it and, and Tony Montana looks up in the table or looks and is looking at a girl, it's actually a sister, Gina. Oh, okay. I, oh, I've seen that as a theory. Yeah. I, I have oh, it's, it's for sure. It's spot on, dude. Yeah. And I, at the end, she even says, you want to fuck me, Tony? You know. Yeah. It, it's it beca- Because he's protecting her throughout. When she starts getting hot, then she goes to the nightclub. He, he, I'm telling you, every time uh, uh, the character looks up at a you think he's looking at Michelle Pfeiffer dancing. You think he look. It's actually Gina every time the sister. Yeah. And uh, if you check it out, it's true, man. It's well, uh, that was. And uh, she was hot. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on her name, but she was hot that played the part. And um, 
Yeah. Well, anyway, seen, a little trivia. I haven't I haven't watched that movie in a, probably in a good fifteen years, maybe even maybe even twenty. Um, I watched it during COVID, so that's I don't know what exact month, but I did watch it here in the last year and a half. Yeah. So I remember I've come across, and I haven't gone back and looked at, it, but I've come across all the um, incest subtext that is in that movie. Yes. Just in different things I've read. But I've never yes. gone back and watched it just to really keep track of it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, she flat out says to him at one point, like, hey. Yeah, at the end. Yeah. Uh, Mary Elizabeth uh, Mastron- uh, Masteron- Rastatimony. How do you say her last name? Mary Elizabeth. Antonio. Yes, that's her. That's yeah. who plays Gina. Anyway, yes, there's the, uh, it's it's in there. Um, like I said, I watched it. I've watched it twice in the last couple of years. Like I said, once during COVID, so probably last in the last 10 months even. Um, just because actually one of my boys was like, he he was like, Dad, I watched this on Netflix. And I was like, yeah, I just watched it like two months ago. I think I watched it again. So I did. Um, but you got to catch that part. Yeah. So, well, see, you uh, know, when it comes to gangster films, the one I'll watch all just over and over and over is Goodfellas. Oh, mine too. Yeah, that's um, that's probably my go-to. Yeah, um, the um, the Godfathers. You, you got to really set your day aside and say, "Come and watch these." Um, the same thing I think with uh, Casino. You got to set your day. You know, that's that's pretty long. But my go-to would be Goodfellas as well. Yeah, the way you know? the way Scorsese shot that, the music he used, the actors yeah. in it, also that in that last part where he's gacked up on coke. You feel like you're on cocaine watching those scenes. You feel like yeah. you feel paranoid. You feel you want to see helicopters. You want to see helicopters. Yeah. Get in here. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, um, you're you're right there, man. Yeah. Hey, and you know what? Speaking yes. of that, I used to talk to Henry Hill. No shit. Really? One. He had a he had an email an account. It was um, Hitman something. I kid you not. I saw one Howard Stern. He gave it out. Um, and I kid you not, I wrote it off his website. This is early. Uh, let's see, this was about two thousand ish, two thousand one maybe. I wrote the guy a letter about some horse racing questions, and whoever ran it, whether it was Henry or not, they wrote me back. And then I responded to that, and the person responded back again because I was talking about the best value at the track. Do you play a, you know, do you go with a safe bet? Play, you know, win place and shows across the board. What do you do? And of course, this person they came back with the big money is in. You got to go for these, um, you know, get in, get in on the pick sixes. You look at the carryovers. You know, what I'm saying it was some really neat stuff about horse racing. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I can see where if you're you're that kind of money. You know, I was asking just some general questions, and I was actually reading some uh, a couple books about horse racing, betting, and this and that at the time. But yeah, I wrote them, and it, and the dude wrote me back, man. It, um, of course, he's dead now. Yeah, but uh, I, I I I was thinking about that just the other day for whatever reason um, that he actually wrote me back. In fact, I hear I think they're coming for. <laughs> Henry Hill right now in the background, Jeremy. Sounds like it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think him and Karen um, may be up to something running around town over there, it sounds like. I bet she's Um, got a gun in her panties. Oh, God, I knew he was going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, you bastard. That's the hottest scene, man. That's the hottest scene right there. Yeah. Yeah. I was waiting. Thanks for the segue. Thank you. That's good. I knew you was going to put it there. Let's get off of that and go to something else, man. (laughs) Uh, Now that the sours are gone. You want to see helicopters and all that noise. Yep. 
Well, Literally. Let's go to, I'm going to jump to number seven. And there's actually the whole, the whole gaggle that goes into this. But this guy was first. And that's going to be Glacier at WCW, who was essentially just a copy and paste of Sub-Zero from the Mortal Kombat video games. And at that point, I think it had already been a movie as well. Okay, yeah. And I wrestled Glacier twice. Yeah. And um, well, yeah, what a, a, a good dude, too. Um, Ray Lloyd. Uh, he had worked up in North Georgia some. He was one of the guy. He was one of a few guys at the power plant that I actually knew how to fucking work when he got in the ring. I don't mean that disrespectfully to anyone else that that was going to the power plant. But what I'm saying is, uh, Ray had actually worked in some, a couple, you know, several towns in northern Georgia area, and, and maybe there, maybe even Tennessee, Alabama, etc. But he also had been to Japan. I'm not sure which company he went with. But uh, so when you got in a ring with him, and of course, again, I knew my job there. And my job uh, against uh, Glacier, um, he knew, as he said, it's a pleasure being in a ring with you, Bobby. And I just called the whole match because I knew what the fuck I was doing. And that is I'm making him look good. Yeah. I know he can get his kicks in. I know he can get his finish in. And he knows that when I go at him, I'm going to get my stuff in, uh, not hurt him for one and not take advantage of too much that, you know, as a heel, um, I'm not going to eat him alive. I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna take him down just enough that he can fight back up. Just enough that he can fight back up. And just enough when he wins they beat someone. Yeah. So it was a pleasure to work with Glacier the couple of times I did, man. And uh behind the scenes a good dude too, like I said. Yeah, now if so, I remember uh, right, watching him, because I mean they did a long build up with him to bring him in. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I remember right, he looked like a fairly good uh, martial artist. He was a pretty graceful yes. mover, if I remember right. Yes. I don't, I, just guessing, and I haven't seen it in 20 years. I'm guessing he was probably a Taekwondo guy, but I don't know for sure. But his kicks were like perfect. Like, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Perfect. Good kicker, good striker. Everything was right on. You, He didn't have to pull a whole lot. You, you could feed right into it. Um, had a really good body, too. Really well kept. He was, uh, uh, you know, very solid, uh, yet very flexible. Uh, very good athlete. Very good yeah. athlete. I think he played football at Vadasta State, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, college football. Um, now, now, let me ask but you. He, he was good. Because you were, you were around at this point. What did you, what were you thinking as far as these, like, video games? gimmicks that they were real i mean they put a lot of fucking time and money into developing this concept what were your thoughts what was you know i mean did you even, um, did you even think about it i didn't even think about it quite honestly yeah i really didn't i was like it's it's a you know it's a character and this is gimmick and we're working and like i said for for him is a a lot of respect there because i saw how he carried himself you know backstage Saw how he treated other guys that that were either put him over or when he was uh, when he had to put someone over, and so to you know a couple of times I got to work with them. It was just uh, uh, truly professional, and um, is uh, I didn't think about the um, Mortal Kombat or you know I just characters or anything. Like I just thought you know hey it's a good gimmick, and um, I'm putting them over and we're gonna have a hell of a good match. Okay. So well, that's fair. Yeah, that was. I mean, yeah. it, was a, it was a cool gimmick. There's a lot of money put into it. It was a solid yeah. look. It was cartoony as fuck. Yeah, what a frost came down, yeah. and they had the you know the laser lasers, and you know it was um it was a thrill to be in there. You know, yeah. And like I said, uh, fortunately for that character, he was a really good guy too. So yeah, uh, that adds to it to me. 
when oh, you got absolutely. some. They, for them to put somebody into it and give someone a push like that, I thought he was very deserving of it. So uh, that's why I didn't really probably think too much about it, Jeremy, to be honest with you. Like, okay, this is just his character. It's the glacier. Um, he, he's here to work. You yeah. Know? Um, well, I'm going to go on to number six, and this is one of those ones that just breaks my little heart every time I think about it. Yeah. Arachnaman. <sighs> yeah. Man, you know, Brad Armstrong, every time he started to get a push, something would happen, man, you know. Now, here's the thing. As you wrote, um, a badly done imitation of Spider-Man. The thing is, Brad could do everything in a ring, and they stuck that gimmick on them. And next yeah. thing you know, you know, they're going to threaten the lawsuits because of Spider-Man. Um, Brad can move, man. And he's doing it. And, and, and why couldn't they just come up with another mass character? He was Bad Street. He was Nacroman. I mean, what, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Why couldn't they just gave that guy? You know, we've talked about how funny and, and, and uh, quick-witted and the way he was off camera. But in the ring, what a phenomenal performer, you know, and good body and all that. I wish they could have come up with a character that wasn't going to be sued for being such a, like, uh, cheap imitation or a, a badly done one, as you said, a Spider-Man, you yeah. know. So it could have been copyrighted by WCW and said, hey, man, we got this cat down here. It's hot. And his name's Brad Armstrong. But we're going to put him under a mask and... And a, a hood, and we've got this great character development, kind of like you said with the uh, uh, Glacier. They put the money into it and, and the push into it, you know, based wow. off the Mortal Kombat. Okay, we've got something based off Spider-Man, but I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, I get hot about it because uh, I wish Brad would have just kept getting pushed to the moon, no matter what well, gimmick he was doing. You know, you know and I remember, I remember back to the NWA days. He was their junior heavyweight champion forever. And still, it just kind of, eh, we just needed a place. Like, basically, they used him as a coat hanger for the belt. It was just like, here, yeah. Brad, hold this for a while, would you? And then he's, yeah, you know, he's Arachnaman, which, let's just talk about this for a second. Purple and yellow, Bobby. Put him in purple and yellow. These are two colors that do not go together. And he'd come okay. out, he'd come out, and he'd get on the, the corner post, and he'd spray fucking silly string. I mean, yeah. You know, did Jim Hurd ever meet a little fucking kid in his life? I mean, did he just not understand what kind of shit they'd be into? I don't know. Um, I don't either. They could have gone with any acrobatic name or anything they wanted to. They could have put him in blue and red and under a hood. It would have looked more like Spider-Man. It would have acted more like Spider-Man. Just give it a completely different name. Yeah. You know, yeah. But Brad was there to do his job, and he did it. Well, that's the and thing. collect his check, you well, know. You cannot say he ever had it, you know, even with a mouthful of shit, he never said it, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Now, this next one. Yes. Tell us a little about this next one. What are we moving into? We we well, into the, this number five. Where are we at? One, number two, five, three, yeah. four, number five. How about this? Before we go to number five, let's get a book plug in. Oh, yeah. Let's sell some books. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. So, hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Bell to Bell podcast with Bobby Blaze and my co-host, Jeremy the Professor Vilmer. Now, look here, folks. If you want to help support this show a little bit, here's how you can do it. 
I got a couple of professional wrestling books or books that one of they're more about life than this pro wrestling even. But my first book is called Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost Will Travel. Um, if you go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1, this program gets a little bit of kickback if you purchase one of the books. I appreciate it. Jeremy appreciates it with his Amazon affiliate account. It's not a lot of money for either one of us, but it does help support this show, and we appreciate it very much. My second book called I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler, just go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. It'll take you right to the link on Amazon. You don't pay anything extra, anything like that at all. But the show gets a little bit of kickback. I get a smile on my face. Jeremy gets a, hey, way to go, Bobby. You know, we sold a book, we sold a product, and we keep the podcast alive. Mm-hmm. So uh, do, do us a favor. Go over there to Amazon. Go to tinyrail.com slash blazebook1 for pin me, pay me, have boost with travel. Or tinyrail.com slash blazebook2 for I kicked out on two, the educational wrestler. And um, appreciate it very much, and I appreciate you letting me get that plug in before we continue with our top ten pop culture-based wrestling gimmicks. Yes. So, So, um, yeah, please go buy a book. You can find it through our website, which we probably should be plugging more. Blaze 2. Yes. Bell2BellBlaze.com. We do have a store section where Bobby's books are linked in there. I still need to get up your your uh, your book under a pseudonym in there, so I got to remember to do that today. Um, but yeah, go check us out. Check out Bobby's books if you haven't done so yet, um, and we would appreciate it quite a bit. You know, the, yeah, we try to put out a good show. We do it for free. We just yep. need some help moving some books, folks. Yep. And also, while you're thinking about it, go check out the uh, website. Think mentioning that um, if you're a blogger or a writer and um, looking to maybe get a little noticed, and you know something about professional wrestling because you're listening to an old school professional wrestling podcast, um, hit us up over there on um, the. Uh, uh, should I- Drawing a blank, I was getting ready to say Twitter because I'm always giving Twitter out. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. Bobby Blaze, uh, 744, the professor at the Geekish Cast or the Bell to Bell Blaze podcast. But on the Bell to Bell um, website, uh, we're looking for some um, some bloggers and writers that may get some stuff yeah. put out there for it. it. I'm not saying it's going to pay right away, but it's possible to get your work, expo- uh, some work experience, work exposed. If you if you know a little bit about or a whole lot, hopefully, about professional wrestling, the professor and myself myself we're looking for uh some bloggers and stuff that we can post some of your professional wrestling uh writings and views just some filler spaces how am i saying am i saying that correctly jeremy yeah, yeah, basically basically we'll basically. do some written con uh some written content for the website just to help yes help fill it out but also you know having uh, having another party who is interested in wrestling who can go and write articles may actually help us come up with topics we haven't thought of um, yes. but it also helps us out on search engines. So we are looking for somebody where, you know, we do plan to pay. We don't know how much we can do, but that's right. What we're talking right. About. Yeah. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for clearing that up. I stumbled on my words a little bit I got you. because well, what I was going to say, and I don't know if this can ever be done. Um, we're basically looking for another text Johnson that done our YouTubes yeah. rest in peace text. But we, if we ever get another person that could do the YouTube stuff, that'd be great too. But right now we're concentrating on this uh, blog post. I uh, like you said, and if we could just get someone to step forward and say, Hey man, I'm a fan of the show. And um, how can I contribute? Um, you know, that's kind of how we got some of these t-shirts started. 
uh, a couple fans stepped up and said, hey, you know, here, here's a way to maybe, you know, make a little dime on the side or what have you. Um, you know, so we're just trying to do something to keep this program going because uh, we do take the time to uh to put a little bit of research in this while having fun but we also love what we're doing or hell we wouldn't have ever started back exactly, you know yeah. so um it's just um uh, thanks for tuning in that's all that let's go back into our top 10 all right so we're gonna go to number five yeah and um this is gonna be papa shango mm-hmm. now we have this down as live and let die, but Baron Samiti is a actual voodoo loa that has that exists. I mean, he is something that exists outside of the film universes. This is a real voodoo uh, spirit or god, or I, I don't know enough about voodoo to really cover that. But but he's yeah. a villain also in a Bond film called uh, uh, Live and Let Die, which has a a kick ass theme song. Yep. Uh, B, Christopher Lee plays the main villain, and Christopher Lee is fantastic in everything he's ever done. Yep. C, Gene Seymour is smoking fucking hot in this movie. Amen, yeah. Yeah. And lastly, we also get the Papa Shango character based off of Baron Samiti. Uh, Papa Shango goes into the books as being the second worst gimmick, according to most people, that the WWF ever did. Hmm. You know what the first one is, Bobby? No, I was going to ask you. Uh, Gobbledygooker. Oh, man, I should have guessed that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, I, guess, I guess Pat Patterson is the guy who created this idea, and he's also the guy who killed it. Okay. Uh, I guess, like, you know, it was just like... You know, it was probably more racist than they intended. It was probably, like, kind of hateful towards Asian people, quite honestly. (laughs) Um, You know, but, you know, we got the Godfather out of that deal when it was done. But, you know, it was kind of a cool-looking character at the same time. So, well, I I got mixed feelings about it, you know? Yeah. I think the only... Just some of the... I don't know, making the... Warrior throw up and the that kind of stuff was you know I, that was too much a little bit too far for me like iffy and I know it's voodooish or whatever I, I'm more of a you know hands on let's see action you know wrestling fight kind of thing not just mind control or uh, put them under a spell or a hypnotics or or what have you you yeah. know um, that that was the only thing but yeah um, I don't know. I'm thinking about Jane uh, Jane Seymour. Sorry. Yeah, boy, howdy. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah, I can see Patterson. So he's had all these successful ones, but only two. That's really the. I don't even know what would be third, but I'm sure there's another one in there. But yeah. Um, okay. I don't know. He's next. This this next one. Uh, let's go to it. How about that? Because yeah, yeah. This we one. talked about this one earlier. Um, which which way we liked it. Um, we found out a little bit about um, what happened to it, and that was uh, Waylon Mercy and also Bray Wyatt doing Max Cady from Cape Fear. And Robert De Niro, my favorite actor, has been for years, and he's sitting in there and he's smoking that cigar in the movie theater and just laughing. And then he's back and go, counselor. You know, I just love that character, man. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I watched the original, I think it's from 1962, uh, Cape Fear of Robert Mitchum in it, man. But um, of course, with the second one, um, 
Juliet Lewis, a young, innocent Juliet Lewis, coming to school early to, uh, I guess, what's supposed to be an audition for a play. And Robert De Niro sitting there and, you know, she's sucking her thumb. And, you know, hey, man, you just got to go with that. Cause right there, that's pretty damn hot. And Jessica Lange don't look too damn bad either. Yeah. But let's stay on track here, Bobby. <laughs> Waylon Mercy. Let's go with him first. Yes. Um, that was a uh, big Dan Spivey. Uh, big, good look to him. The tattoos were kind of iffy on that, I think, was part of it. And it was very short-lived. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because we looked this up. Actually, it was actually shorter-lived than what we both thought it yeah, was. Yeah, it looks like it was like barely a year. Maybe, maybe a handful of TV appearances and one or two pay-per-view appearances. And that was it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, you know, I think actually Dan Spivey, I'm not going to compare them too much because Bray Wyatt takes it in a different direction once he's gone. Right, right, right. But Dan Spivey would come out to the ring and he'd shake hands with the audience, thank them for coming out to see him wrestle. Yeah. He'd get in the ring and he'd shake hands with the referee and then his opponent and then the bell would ring. Yeah. And he would fucking turn just like that and just like yep. fucking bloodthirsty lunatic. <laughs> and then he'd win and the bell would ring and he'd shake hands with the referee <laughs> go out and fake the audience it was just it was a great way to carry that character over and then you know just his general demeanor and his promos yeah he had really nailed the character down um you know obviously the, the outfits were very much the same uh, right, you know, genteel Southern gentleman until the bell rings, but <laughs> uh, but Dan Spivey apparently got injured in the course of this developing this character, and as quick as he showed up, he was gone. Yeah, yeah, and I think at that point in his career too, I think his knees were pretty much shot from all the stuff he'd been over in Japan. Yeah, um, that I, so it may have been more of a more of an long term injury that had been building over time. I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, during that time, but I'm sure the wear and tear had, uh, I just caught up with them maybe at that point, you know, um, and also maybe a more, maybe more serious injury than what I'm thinking about. But, uh, so Bray Wyatt, yeah. you say comes in and you revealed this to me. What about it? Well, so Bray Wyatt, and I, I don't want to take all the time to unravel the family, right, <laughs> family right. linking together here, uh, Bray Wyatt. And now let's see here. Um, Spivey's his uncle. Is I think that's it? what you told me. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's it. But I, okay, but either way, Dan Spivey gives Bray Wyatt the character you know to build off of based on his Waylon Mercy, which is what yeah. became the Bray Wyatt character before it became like the fiend and everything else went along with it. But um, they kind of had a second a second bite at the apple, so to speak, to develop a character based on Max Cady. Yeah. And I thought it went pretty good. Yeah. You know, um, that was one of the highlights uh, of the show during, during what, the last few years there until things went a different way. I, as they always do, they'll fuck something up, you know. Oh, yeah. Give them enough rope up there and they'll hang themselves or whatever. I don't mean that towards just any one direction or one person. I'm just saying, like, that was that, that whole Wyatt family was getting over very good. Yeah. It was getting over very good. Well, and I know things happen personally and professionally too, you know, take yeah. that in consideration. But I, th- I thought he'd done a very good job of that with the lantern and the, again, the shirts. The shirts were over the top, but you caught the references. Yeah. And uh, at least the tattoos were real, you know, yeah. um, you know, that direction. Um, I, I like that during that time. Um, 
and and the way he would get up and uh, the creepy thing where he'd get up and do a back arch, a back bridge, uh, like a spider walk for a yeah. guy that size doing, I thought that's pretty impressive too. Uh, so so crazy, like you know, um, if you could have mixed those two up just a little bit more, um, it was over. It was definitely oh, yeah, over. Absolutely, um, you so. know, it's one of those situations where you know you, you hear Jim Cornette all the time talk about how you know when somebody's got to go away. You know, yeah. if, you, if you don't go away, you just people get tired of you, get sick of you, or yeah. whatever. And it always makes me think of that line in The Dark Knight where uh, Harvey Dent says, "You know, you either die a hero or you live long enough to become a villain." Yeah, and it's that kind of thing. Like if you don't take a break, either creative's going to fuck something up, you're going to fuck something up, or the audience yeah. is just going to stop caring. Yeah, yeah. Corny's saying is uh, if you don't how if you don't go away, how am I going to miss you? Yeah, you know? exactly. So um, and sometimes that. Well, we've seen it time and time again, um, I, and I, not a specific instance or person comes to mind, but where someone stays there for quite a long time and they just change the gimmick and it's a different, different name, same person. You're like, okay, how many times can I recycle this guy, you know, and um, or girl? And you're like, yeah, you know, that ship sailed already. They missed it. They missed oh, the boat, yeah. you know. So yeah, anyway, that's, that's the thing. It's, you know, you got to do something with them, shit or get off the pot, man. And if creative right. runs out, right. see, this was the bad side of having only one company. You, you run out of stuff to do. You can't go somewhere else. You know, like Jim Ross, used to say, learn a new hold and come back. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, we're kind of seeing what happens there when you just spin your wheels all day. Um, yeah. But you now that, that being said that Max Katie was a hell of a character to base a character off of. Right, right, right. It, you know, it really was something. It was, you know, I don't know if, you know, maybe the, the Waylon Mercy character, bad timing, uh, just not being developed in the right direction. Because, like, when Bray Wyatt did it, he took it in a whole other way. Like, he yeah, went, yeah. He went straight up fucking swamp hillbilly fucking murderer on it. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, man. All right. We're into our top three. Yep. And you put this in as number three. And yes. you kind of smartened me up um, a little bit about this uh, in Japan. I wasn't real sure about. Now, I will say this. Um, Kenny Omega is a very, very talented athlete. Um I don't like some of the stuff he does, sure. but I'm not shitting on the guy. I don't know him personally, but I think he's a hell of an athlete and a good wrestler. Um, and I had seen some of his stuff in Japan, um, you know, during uh, uh, several years back, the kingdom, the Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, they have each year. I'd watch that. I knew the name, but I did not know the backstory. And the reference here is you're telling me. And it's one of my all-time favorite movies. I'm not even saying it's in my top ten, but it's 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 up there in, in my movie, The Terminator from 1984. Yes, uh, I did not know this. Smart me up. Please. So Kenny Omega, in our audience, yeah, Kenny Omega. When he was being put into the Bullet Club, they were like, "He's too bubbly. He needs to come up with." something else so he adopted the name the cleaner which you know i'm sure everybody knows the mob references slash movie references mm -hmm. the tarantino references to the cleaner but he started adapting parts of the terminator character from you know the original terminator uh the leather jacket he'd come to the ring with like a fake rifle sometimes they would do like a laser eye effect on one eye but what I didn't know about it, because my brother watched a lot more Japanese uh, wrestling than I ever did, but Kenny Omega would actually 
beat the Terminator theme song into the ring when like he's like firing back up. He'd use his hands to like slap the theme song into the ring as he was like kicking back on. Also, when finishing moves uh, occasionally like in a six man tag with like um, all those two dipshits that overuse super kicks. Mm. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you because you are. sell, give me one or two, and I'm selling it. Fuck forty seven of you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but they would do the Terminator uh, theme song on the ring while he was like doing his finisher. So I didn't realize how much like uh, effect wise and uh, yeah, just the little pieces that he used, and I thought it was kind of a cool gimmick. And then all of a sudden, that thing where he cuts his like does the thumb across the throat. And mm-hmm. then points his finger like he's shooting a gun at his enemy. And now all this shit makes more sense to me. Gotcha. He's the okay. Terminator. He's he's fucking doing you in, you know. Okay. And so I put that in there also because I was having trouble coming up with a tent. <laughs> so, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we'll put it in there, man, because yeah. people, uh, we know people, you know, uh, we're not shitting on any products out oh. there, any people out there, like our agreement was very early, early on in our podcast. Um, so... Uh, I'm smartened up to it, man. Yeah. Uh, also, when you take your thumb mm-hmm. and go across your neck like he's through, my main man, Arn Anderson, done that more than uh, once, I'll have you know. Easy. He may not have pointed a finger like the gun, but if Arn put the thumb to the throat, you pretty much know your shit's chilled. You're oh, done. Yeah. It's going to be a spine buster. It's going to be a DDT. But one way or the other, double A is coming out the winner. You know, and yep, uh, with that, that was, said, that was that at that point. Yeah. Yeah. The enforcement. That was that. So uh, we got Terminator reference in there. Now, yep. here's another one we're going to get in here on this next one. Uh, Mad Max movies out there. A couple characters come out of here that basically changed the face of wrestling. Uh, the way it's perceived, um, it wasn't it, bodies and strength and the way things were done changed. And who were those two guys that was based off of Mad Max? Well, that is going to be Hawk and Animal who adopted the look of a character. Oh, what a rush. Yep. Yeah. They took the look of a character named Wes from the the second Road Warrior or the second mm. Mad Max movie, The Road Warrior, mm-hmm. and adapted their characters from that. You know, he was the guy with the the, the mohawk and the makeup and the just fucking yeah. lunatic. And yeah. they, you know, there's that was the thing, man. It's now you got you got a great name for those guys. Also, you know, you got to kind of just throw this out there that originally they were part of a stable with Jake the Sink and a few other people that was called the Legion of Doom. And the Legion of Doom mm-hmm. was, of course, the bad guys on the Super Friends cartoon. So okay, we got a two for one here. But yeah. the Road Warrior character, you know, the Road Warriors, their look and their style was based very much off of this berserker biker character from the yeah. Road Warrior. Yeah. Now, um, as discussed prior to recording, we was only going to take one character. And, of course, we know Lord Humongous, that character kind of came out of the Road Warrior series as well. But we just throwing it out there. It's not in the top ten. Um, but we're putting Road Warriors as number two. Yes, that was absolutely. our agreement, right? That's so. yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, part you know, like we do so many times, one and two, you could flip them and I'd be okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Road Warriors come in at number two, and that leaves with only one left. Um, and um, 
Like you said, Legion of Doom up there, a two-for-one. I think you're going to get another two-for-one down here. I'm not really sure, uh, but I'm just kind of peeking ahead. Why don't you bring us to number one? Because I know this person is one of your all-time favorites, if not your favorite. Um, I know you've uh, uh, seen them at a um, trade show. Yep. Um, I don't know if – uh, I know you had the NWA belt with you. But, no, um, no, I did not. I think the line was very, very long. No, the NWA belt was at my house where it belongs. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, okay, gotcha. That's yeah. right. You don't wear yours across your no. shoulder at trade shows <laughs> expecting to get fucking challenged or beat. No, the last thing I need is okay. Tim Storm showing up and stomping my ass. You know? <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, this one is going to be Sting specifically first off as his crow based character, but mm-hmm. also, and I, I, this one I'm just throwing in there as like an aside, because I don't think anybody was watching wrestling at this time or watching TNA wrestling. He also did a Joker gimmick for a while that I was not aware yeah. of until recently. Yeah. I knew that for some reason. And I was like, okay, um, that's, direct copycat off of Batman. That is oh, the damn Joker. Yes. I mean, it's it's that evident, you know. But now the Crow character, um, he was, um, when I was in WCW, uh, Sting was out of an injury for a, a large part of that. Um, and he, he was coming back uh, right towards the end of my contract. Um, so he was making appearances at the show, uh, shows, I should say, um, and he was still coming down, you know, out of the, uh, the rafters. Mm-hmm. Um, he was showing up, you know. Then, sadly, uh, the Owen Hart situation took place. And the best of my knowledge, because um, I had to work the very next night after that, or, you know, we had TV tapings or what have you. Um, shortly thereafter, if I'm not mistaken, the programming went to, um, they would just shine a light. Um, uh, in fact, I saw Sting at, with Darby Allen on that, when, when, um, oh, CM uh, Punk. PM with the CM Punk deal. Yeah. So I think what was happening when I, when I was finishing up, and I'm not sure exactly how they, what, 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 Direction Sting went at that because the company wasn't around much longer after. That's my point. Yeah. But I think what they was doing is kind of what uh, they did on AE the other day uh, was uh, they was just shining a light that Sting was in the building and he's up in the rafters, you know. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he descended from him uh, via the cord uh, very often, if any much, after that accident. Yeah. So um, anyway, well, but that's that's over though. Yeah. That 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 gimmick was over. So. You know, for me, Sting, I first saw him when he was part of Eddie Gilbert's group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'd bill him as the man, for, you know, from every man's nightmares. And then, you know, Eddie was from every woman's dreams. And Sting's makeup always had like a look, I don't know, maybe like a cult symbols or just something that was like off putting to it. Right. Yeah. And then he gets over to WCW after the UWF shuts up and he gets picked to be the big baby face. And I think by, I think Flair picked him. Yeah, yes. And all of a sudden, he goes from that more, like, sinister look to fucking bright pinks and purples fucking... Surfer. Yeah, Surfer Sting, as he is called. Yeah. And um, then, like, we start getting into the late 90s, and that that look just doesn't hold up. I mean, it's dated as fuck. Right. And he's injured. He disappears for a while. Like, one week he shows up, and while his makeup is still in the shape of his Surfer Sting... 
it's got the teardrops like the crow makeup. And of course the crow was based on a comic book, but while they were uh, filming the movie, uh, Brandon Lee was killed while playing the lead role. Yes. And it, and I think that's probably why it became part of the American zeitgeist. It was just like, you know, we all grew up watching Bruce Lee movies and we were kind of waiting to see what was, what Brandon Lee was going to bring us as he got into, you know, hopefully starting. Yeah. And then he was snuffed out, but they start turning sting slowly. And they took a, they took a long time to do it. Yeah. They yeah, started, they you know, they let his hair grow out, let the bleach blonde bits go. They start playing with the makeup where it first started off very much like the crow. Then they turned it into a frown instead of a smile. And they started playing with it and doing different things. But, for a year, year and a half, however fucking long that was, we were just waiting for him to come back and put the fucking boots to Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And I yep. mean, you know, we were everybody, we were losing our minds. And then, of course, they fucking shit the bed with that. <laughs> you know, it's well, yeah, that's the way it happens. But all right. So number one thing. Um Anyway, top 10 pop culture-based wrestling gimmicks off TV. The movie, we had number 10, Jason the Terrible, uh, Kane, Razor Ramon, Glacier, Arachnia Man, Papa Shango, Waylon Mercy, uh, Kenny Omega as Terminator, The Road Warriors from the Mad Max movies, and number one, as just spoken, uh, two-for-one bonus answers was The Crow and The Joker, uh, Steve Borden, Sting. Sting, so yeah. yeah, there we go. You know, um, after, right after I had my heart attack, I, Adam, uh, who was a brand new listener to us, who we didn't really know yet, uh, sent me an autographed poster of Sting. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. That was, uh, well, right. I knew you had some on autograph, but I thought there was something. We went to his line or something. It's too long. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, me, and my, me and my brother actually got to stand there and bullshit with him. Is that what it was? Yeah. So I knew there was something. You, you you had told me something about you. I couldn't remember if you visited him at the at the trade show or what it was, but yeah, I couldn't no, we, remember. We got, we got a picture taken with him. We got, you know, I got a couple things signed by him. <clears throat> okay, cool. We, stood there, we cool. stood there and talked to him about the UWF. He's like, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't figure you guys would have seen that. And then he told us that he had actually wrestled at the Olympic back in the day. And I was like, I, I, I never would have thought that, you know, right, right. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that that worked out that way, but no, he's, you know what? He's a hell of a nice guy. Um, you, you know, and fuck, he's, 115 years old I mean, it looks great so you know i'm i'm glad to see that he's getting some work through aew they seem to be using yeah. him right and hey they didn't let one of their young snot shitheads fucking injure him in the first two weeks <laughs> well that's true too yeah. yeah so um anyway any closing remarks before we get off of here um I was surprised, Bobby. I was sure I would be able to find it, and I didn't. That nobody ever did the Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, no, I am your father, as far as I could find. I thought for sure some fucking, you know, shithole fed somewhere would have done that in the 80s. You okay. could not find it. I also could not make Vader an actual ripoff of Darth Vader, so I couldn't use him. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, even though the name was there, he was his, and he wore a mask. His gimmick was not very Darth Vadery. Right. Gotcha. So that's so you a, couldn't tie in your Star Wars reference anywhere, could you? No, I couldn't really get a Star Wars reference in here. Hopefully, somebody out there knows one and can hit us okay. up on Twitter or something and tell us about it because I'm stunned yeah. that there's not one. Okay. So if you're out there, 
Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at BobbyBlaze744. I do interact on Twitter quite a bit, and I enjoy that format for my social media. Jeremy is at the Geekish Cast. Also, you can go to the Bell to Bell Blaze podcast uh, or Bell to Bell Blaze on Twitter as well. That's a joint account. Uh, Jeremy also has a getting a very popular response on the Bell to Bell Blaze on the uh, Facebook page. So uh, give us a follow over there as well. Um, appreciate you listening. I don't have anything really to say uh, this week other than, man, I'm just glad uh, we're, we're getting our fan base back up, man, and um, we've got some good topics. I know we still got um, we're, we've done two weeks of top tens. If you got any top ten ideas that we haven't already done, uh, send them to us. We may revisit an old one even. Um, I know we have an author coming up. We don't know when. I know we're going to do a year in coming up pretty soon. Uh, we're going to choose a year and go back and uh, revisit that year in professional wrestling. And I know we're looking at our second class of the 100% legitimate uh, Bobby Blaze, Jeremy Vilmer uh, Hall of Fame class uh, that we have a wrestler and a heel um, and um, no, maybe a couple other little deals there uh, that we're working on as well. So we got some upcoming episodes that, uh, you know, we hope you tune into also uh, in the near future. Yeah. So thanks again for turning in rest, tuning in, wrestling fans. I'm I'm pushing for 1966 is the year we cover. I don't know how much we can find though. Yeah, uh, we've talked about that. I think because of the pop culture and TV references. Yeah, that's, the monkeys that's the and Batman and Star Trek and yeah, I think that's why we're Adam's coming up family. with that. Yeah. It's like um, and maybe we change it. Maybe we do that. We've talked about that before. Yeah. I don't know if we lose some more wrestling fans, but our pop culture fans, we you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know, uh, 66th in wrestling, you know, so uh, maybe it'll be our year. We'll look at it, see if we yeah, can find some absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Uh, I believe Lindsey Buckingham is supposed to be coming on the show here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> um, well, uh, man. I think, uh, Bobby, I think we're done for the week. I'm getting a little goofy over here. Yeah. 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 It's uh, about beer 30 here. It is. It is. All right. Well, everybody. Uh, for the, I am 100% certain, irreplaceable, <laughs> uh, unfindable of a, another uh, Latex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and the only Triple Crown Smoky Mountain Wrestling Champion, Aaron Anderson's favorite enhancement talent by the t-shirt, um, <laughs> Double B, Bobby Blaze. <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody. Uh. <laughs>